0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: That's blogtalkradio.com forward slash elevatedplaces. Today is the 30th and last day of April 2020. And oh Allah, what a four months this has been. Uh, we are um, ending the first week of the holy month of Ramadan and of course, uh, this is a great, great blessing to us. And I wish to greet all of you, Ramadan Mubarak, and thank Allah openly uh, on my own behalf and from my own humility and heart uh, for every day that I and my family are able uh, to wake up for yet another day. It is uh, such a blessing. Um, for us to be alive in the time that the new world that we were promised uh, is indeed coming in. None of us could have uh, known or foreseen, as Minister Farrakhan has said, the eventuality of the calamity that is taking place uh, globally under the symbolic name COVID-19. And we all know that every 24 hours, if not less, uh, there are changes being made and changes occurring. And everything around us, the natural phenomenon of the weather, uh, the inability of the United States government, which is really wholly owned now by multinational corporations to handle uh, what is going on. All of these things confirm the uh, irrefutable truth and power of the teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and his national representative, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. It is clear that God has come, and God is present. So we're grateful, and we're going to get right into our program once again. Uh, We're going to have a special guest. Uh, Last week, Dr. Abdulalim Muhammad was with us, and he was absolutely phenomenal. And uh, we hope to have him back uh, within the next week or two weeks or so, uh, because we didn't really finish uh, Brother Terrence getting uh, to some of the questions um, that our callers had and we have uh, for him. But he is working hard in the community um, to help our people to cope with and deal with and help us do for self in the face of this health crisis. So, uh, blessed to be joined tonight. Uh, We have... uh, Hopefully, I think we have. I haven't. Uh, I think, yes, Brother Reuben Muhammad is with us tonight, our international correspondent. And of course, my wonderful co host, Brother Terrence uh, Muhammad, is with us. And we're going to be looking to hear from our contributors, our health contributors, Sister Mariam K. Muhammad, with a COVID 19 update and Sister Attorney Pamela Muhammad with our legal report. And so we've got a lot to get to. Um, Let me see if I can get, I think, I don't know if Sister Rona, our producer, is at the board right now, but I'm going to go ahead and uh, see if I can get Brother Ruben, get his uh, line open, and I think this is him. Aslam alaykum, Brother Ruben. Yes. Walaikum well, salam As-salam. I didn't realize that the Parents wasn't open either. But okay, got you both there. But Brother Ruben, what a blessing that uh, you are with us tonight and I know uh, you have something valuable as always to share with us. So we're gonna turn the mic over to you for a few minutes and see what we can find out from across the globe. <laughs>
2: All praise is due to Allah, and it seems like, uh, I guess, while the global internet or the wide, world wide web is, uh, everyone is at home or not at work, um, it, it is just overwhelmed. So even communications, there's a little bit of a delay, and I apologize, we, we may speak over each other at some, some time, but uh just want to let the listeners know, this is a uh, the uh, results of technology, or, or the lack of uh, the best technology. Anyway, um, we are doing well here in Australia, and as you mentioned, um, we uh, the, the weather changes everywhere. And for this last week, we have had what they're calling a, a icy rain. Uh, we've got a, uh, the Antarctic cold uh, snap that has come across Australia. So it is like, you know, uh, not freezing yet. I mean, some areas got snow, but where I am in Melbourne, we don't get snow except uh, up in the mountains, but uh, it is incredibly cold, Uh, literally icy rain. When it hits you, it's like ice water Um, and it's continuous. So yesterday we hit a record for uh, the most amount of rain in uh, the, the month of April. Today, of course, in australia we are the first of may so the traditional may day is uh, going on uh here in australia and the rest of the world will be in May Day uh, tomorrow as well so a lot to look forward to just to see what will take place this year because it seems like every year on may day there's some kind of uh, ritual sacrifice that took place one of the uh, uh most common uh, or most popular that we know about anyway it was uh when President Obama was uh, 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 serving as a president of the United States. On May Day is when he said to the world and announced to the world that they had finally murdered uh, Osama bin Laden. But, uh, of course, we don't know the uh, the reality or the truth of that at all because we never saw anybody, and uh, or that whole story was you know, put in the media, and we forgot about it. But here, that's where we are today in Australia. The weather is one thing. The economy as everyone can expect uh, we are not doing as bad as the United States Uh, uh, Australia took a lot of great precautions to try and um, I don't want to say contain this virus because no one can contain it even though that was a language that uh, President Trump and all his people were using a few months ago but we did as best as we could I believe the only other country that has done a little bit better so far than Australia is New Zealand and as of today they're actually starting to restrict or ease their restrictions, I should say, they will be coming to what they call level three restrictions, where we are, but their level three quarantine restrictions are, are even a lot stricter than our level three here. But um, some schools started to, are starting to open in Australia. Uh, daycare started to open. And naturally, what we all expected happened, which is the children went to daycare for a few days, and they started spreading infections to each other. So some of these daycares now closed again. So this will be interesting how every nation or every state tries to uh, ease and get back to what they see as business as usual. But uh, we've been studying this coronavirus for many months now, and we don't know everything about it, but we know I think business as usual is not how anything will be uh, as we move on in the next few months. So a couple of more things have happened is, now, especially the, uh, uh, the scientists out of Wuhan in China are starting to share with the world what they believe, um, uh, how or how they believe uh, this pandemic will. Um, you know, spread and their figures, because we see all the time that the numbers from Europe and the numbers from America and what they think and the statistics, etc. But the Chinese have started to author papers that are available online. So it'll be very interesting. Uh, Dr. Xi is one of those. And um, it'd be good to go and read those for yourself. They are available online. And I know we hear a lot about China, Italy, the U.S., Spain, the United Kingdom, what's going on there. But right next door, or literally in your corner of the world, Dr. Ava, Brazil is now becoming a hotspot. And why Brazil is very important is because they're a very poor country, or the people are poor, I should say. But uh, Brazil is, uh, what we like to say, the largest African country outside of Africa. There's approximately 80 million black people. Uh, in Brazil and uh, we know the conditions that most of those live in in, in, uh, in, in, in you know and, and Brazil is also what they call Latin America's largest nation so that may very well end up just because of the nature and circumstances and the people live under uh, perhaps one of the next major hotspots in the world and of course if anything like what's going on in America happens in Brazil that entire country would just be overwhelmed and probably collapse. So many things going on in Africa, of course, infections are starting to rise now. And our efforts as um, with what we have been trying to do with uh, Dr. Abdulalim Mohammed and and others as COVID-19 partners, we are focused on Africa. And I hope uh, perhaps in uh, the next week or two to be able to report in more detail some of the work we're doing uh, in Africa with the partners there because we're all quarantined, so we can't travel. But we have been organizing and working hard to help our people in Africa because there's, you know, a few billion people there. And again, um, uh, because of other circumstances in Africa that have taken place, especially the AIDS epidemic, over 100 million black people dead just over the last 30 years, we have an idea that when this COVID-19 disease really gets a grip on Africa again Africa there's no health system there that in any of those nations that can really cope with um, you know uh, what may happen Dubai by the way is now has fully disinfected is what they say and if you want to have a good idea what disinfecting a city is just go on Google and um, you know put in their keywords Dubai and uh, coronavirus or, 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 or disinfection and you'll see literally they washed down the whole city day after day with disinfectant and they hope to open up air travel but of course that may end up being disaster and chaos because uh all the, being a, a, a travel hub for the world what they're going to do is now invite this virus back from all over the world into dubai and uh, we don't know what will actually happen but uh they estimate that they're going to start bringing flights back in july which is well we'll see what happens and of course the uk um there's been a huge spike on deaths because uh, basically the uk was not reporting um many of the deaths that were taking place in aged care facilities nursing homes and other places so again um they the way the united kingdom has handled this is just uh you know it, it's, it's a big failure for the people and we are now watching Everything that the Honourable Elijah Muhammad told us about—not just the fall of America, but the fall of these Western powers that have dominated, uh, you know, the Black world and right. the non—and non, all, all, all the all the poor nations of the earth that were former colonies, etc. We are now watching them fall apart. And the way I understand the book is that Babylon fell and Babylon never came back. So let us prepare in a sane way for you know, it's not going to be business as usual in the next few months. And there is no way all of these corporations have failed. And I think I saw this morning, Dr. Ava, 30 million Americans have lost their jobs uh, already, and there's more every week. So there is no real recovery out of this. And if anyone is following, especially the oil markets or the fall of the petrodollar, we can easily see that very, very soon, many of the nations that America owes money to Are probably going to start calling and asking for that money back and it'll be interesting because of course they're not going to accept the the falling US dollar they may ask for gold but we all you know if you follow the uh, gold markets the most experts believe that there is no more gold at Fort Knox so it may actually have to be that America may be broken up and they may be offering perhaps land we don't know what will happen but it's an interesting study and let's watch and let us follow all of the instructions that the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan is giving us so that we may hopefully safely make it across this whole pandemic to the other side and continue to build the hereafter. So I'm going to be on for the rest of the show, Dr. Ava, and be happy to take any questions. May Allah bless us all. Ramadan Mubarak to all the listeners, all our families, and please stay safe, and um, we'll keep on praying to Allah and seeking refuge in Allah during this time. Assalamualaikum.
1: Well, alaykum Salam, and thank you for uh, being willing to for giving us that in-depth report and your willingness to uh, stay with us throughout the program because I'm sure there will be some questions later. Um And as I indicated, we're going to have a special guest uh, shortly there. we We know that uh, beyond the uh, devastation of our uh, physical health, is our mental and emotional and, of course, spiritual health. And no one can ever uh, estimate the pain and suffering of being black in white America from the time we were brought to these shores in chains. Our, our young people, our ancestors were young. They were teenagers. They were youth uh, when they were kidnapped nearly half a millennium ago. And so later tonight, we're going to uh, talk about a very powerful um, community town hall meeting, global black community town hall meeting that took place last week that we need to know about. Uh, Before we do that, we have two of our contributors that always bring us uh, very important information, and one of those is our legal contributor, Sister Attorney Pamela Muhammad. And we're blessed that she's joining us tonight. And let me see if her line is open. Sister Attorney Pamela, Ramadan Mubarak. Yes, ma'am.
3: Ramadan Kareem. Uh, and assalamu alaikum to everyone. Um, yes, ma'am, Sister Ava. salaam Yes, Brother Ruben, as well. Um, yes, sir. You know what? As I was listening to your opening, uh, when you're talking about the changes that are occurring, and then Brother Ruben was using terms like chaos <laughs> and disaster, mm-hmm. um, I see that happening with the law um, in the sense of four issues.
1: Mm-hmm. Because
3: these changes that are occurring, you got one issue where old law is being applied to new. Unworkable circumstances. So that's mm. causing problems. Like, as these schools have closed, you see parents being held um, at a standard, or children are being held accountable, um, you know, from an old, unworkable playbook. Like, if your computer doesn't work, uh, then you're getting reported to child welfare agencies um, in the state of New York uh, because the children especially some of our low-income children, um, you know, they're, they're not able to get on. They don't have access. But I'll come back to it. I just wanted to go to the second um, area, which would be new law that's being applied. So you got the old law that's not workable. Now you got this new law that's being applied, which I, I see as a lot of times it's overreaching. Um, it's just way, like, too much. Um and I think as we were talking A couple weeks ago My concern is that a lot of this law um, It doesn't have any scientific substanti You know it's not substantiated That it's even valid You know or reputable Or even true And so you've got for example You know people who are um, You know overreaching parts You get people fired Fired over emails <laughs> You know you got um Uh, black businesses not getting the same amount of loans, of course, as, as others, but, um, you know, you got a a Kansas City restaurant that's going to require people to show their IDs, and not just IDs, I think maybe talk about where they live, that's going to be one of the requirements uh, for going into certain places, and, you know, these are new laws being developed that I think are overreaching, and, um, then another thing are the glitches in the system, which I think we are, and that, and that's putting the kind word on it because, you know, people aren't working um, at the regular business establishment. They're working from home. You know, you hear children in the background. You know, people are just um, not, the they kind of, you know, it's not at its optimum standards. So people's information, this is an all-time high where we're getting inaccurate information. Um, at it's at an all-time high, you know, and nobody's accountable uh, for that uh, because who can you hold accountable? Because there's nobody available, um, and and so you know, you I would say that's a glitch. But like you're saying, I mean, is this intentional? Because we got these multinational com- companies now uh, moving into place, and 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 we can't even get uh, the consumer or the citizen. You know, we're not even able to. For example, you can't even really get a written confirmation sometimes, you know, on something you're trying to do in business, you know, or a consumer. You're trying to make a call, like, for example, with these unemployment claims. You know, people are, are calling, 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 but you can't get in, and then you may not get a confirmation that you even tried, and then, you know, the it could lapse, you know, the timeline, the deadline, and then do you get – you know, do, are you penalized? Because that's really the point. We're being penalized. The, you know, our rights are being trampled. It, this, is, this is just the most utter disregard of people's individual rights, Sister Ava, that I've ever seen. Um, and, and so the last th- mm-hmm. thought I, I had about this law issue is where you see a lack of uniformity um, with the laws in the state. And and I think, you know, you and I as attorneys, we know how it it sets up a a good um, scenario in some ways, especially with our argument on separation, because we can just create our own state and just have our own (laughs) laws that pertain to us. Because otherwise, when we took the bar exam, you know, I was at most laws, we have something called common law. And common law is the law that pretty much is applied in a lot of states. I mean, you may have a little nuance here that's different, but usually your criminal laws or, you know, how to establish a business, you go downtown, you mm-hmm. file it. You know, it might have some specifics but now under this paradigm every state is coming up with different different ideas to to serve their people. So, um, you know, I, I just thought those were some of the things we're seeing. And just in closing, you know, of course, because it's close to my heart, Sister Ava, the children and their parents are being, I think, our our children, we got to look at this because schools and teachers have been the number one reporters to child welfare service agencies um, of our children, along with medical facilities. And since this, pandemic has caused them to our families to be inside their homes i think you know there's some scrambling as to from these agencies how to even get into our families and break up our families which is what i think sometimes so um you know i i, I just think that that's something even the hospitals like they're saying the hospitals are reporting that less people are coming if it's not covid related you know people are opting like I'm not going to take my you know this little this little bump or bruise maybe I'm just going to skip going into hospitals so I, I just think we're um we're kind of seeing a change but uh, you know just in, in closing so to 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 help that you know these state agencies are encouraging neighbors to inform become confidential informants on people um, so it's like if you see anything that looks strange because, you know, the, the teachers aren't being the informants right now. The police aren't really getting it. So, um, you know, we've got we've, we've got a heightened, again, we've got the trampling of people's rights um, where there, there may not be any kind of real problem. It just may be that you're having a little bit of a problem adapting because you don't have a computer and you can't get on. Uh, line, and so now you're being called and accused of child neglect, um, and they're saying that these these, pe- these agencies are sending out investigators within 24 hours sometimes showing up at people's houses under yeah. the um, need to, um, you know, launch an investigation. So like I say, I think the new laws and the changes and the old laws that don't work, and we're just in a real firestorm, uh, Sister Ava, of um, confusion um and um, you know that that's what I wanted to uh share with you this evening and your listeners thank you for giving me the time
1: no thank you for keeping us uh conscious and aware because this this calamity um that's how the holy quran refers to it as a calamity and as the minister said the indignation of allah um as it moved probably the one of the lesser effects even though it's been at the cost of uh at this point in the United States alone 60,000 lives uh the virus itself is probably far from being the number one uh adverse effect that comes out of this and you know of course all of this flows With the time and what must be done The series Minister Farrakhan did in 2013 Because if you ignore the hand of God in this You're not going to survive anyway If we fail to see uh, That we are literally living in the time of judgment Living in the time of the fall of America Then we're going to lose our uh, Mental, emotional uh, Physical Stability, uh, in, a, in a much worse way than imagined. That's what we have to hold on to more than, than anything because, as long as we can maintain spiritual and mental and emotional stability, we're the original people. We can think our way and will our way through any problem. Yes, we've ma'am. Yes, ma'am. In the last 500 years. But you can't solve a problem that you're unaware of. And so if we overlook what's going on in the black community and so far as families and children and and the, the, the manifestation of all these inequities, uh, particularly with education, you know, all of a sudden parents are responsible for so-called homeschooling their children. Yes, ma'am. And not only is it an issue of having uh, things like Wi-Fi and even though a lot of these uh, districts are, are sending out Laptops and things of this nature There's more to it than that You know A lot of our houses are single headed uh, Single female headed households Very young uh, Parents nowadays Uh, Very few Very low percentage of households Have the so called nuclear Family with a father And a mother and the children all together There's all sorts of uh, Gatherings Or uh, it, there can be anybody in any, any given household Because people yes, aren't ma'am. living, they're surviving you know. And so you're, you're raising a point that's very important And I, I thank you for it um, We're going yes, go to quickly go to our health contributor Yes ma'am, thank you uh, We're going to go to Sister uh, Mariam K. Muhammad Who is our health contributor and always brings us uh, again, now, we have to pay attention to the virus, okay? We we certainly get the virus itself because once again, as always, uh, we top the mortality rates. We contract it more. We die from it more, way out of proportion to our uh, numbers. And uh, Sister Mariam has been delivering some in- incredibly valuable information to us each week. During this time So
0: to you Sister Mariam Ramadan Mubarak Ramadan Kareem Assalamu alaikum everybody
1: (laughs) Well (laughs) Alaikum salam
0: This is Just following this COVID-19 Is so So very interesting um, Because They really give They really tell on themselves As they're giving information So Like, one thing we have to keep in mind is, of course, that when scientists and doctors are trying to figure out what something is, they have to go through so many tests, and they're still in the hypothesis phase of dealing with COVID-19. So they don't even have a theory yet. It's still all hypothesis. They have to have. They literally have to test it Mm -hmm. hundreds of times in order to get to the proven theory. So that's why every week you get more information. These are new signs and symptoms now that has developed from the disease. And so, right now, the other day I was watching actually Dr. Oz show. I thought this doctor was very interesting in the information he was giving because he was confessing that there will be a COVID 20. And he was saying that what they're realizing from COVID-19 is that it's just like the flu, as far as another strand will come out, and they have no idea what that strand may be. So he was saying running out um, in the summer to go back to work just to be sent right back home in the fall because of the new strand that will come out, and they have not gotten hold of the current strand. Now they're trying to say, okay, we may have a vaccine coming out in a couple of weeks. The danger zone in that is it takes 18 to 24 months to develop an effective vaccine. So that lets us know right off the bat that this vaccine that they're trying to give people is not going to be effective. It's just like the flu vaccine which is created off of a previous strand. So that's why the flu vaccine doesn't make sense because it's based off of the previous season strand that's been proven not to come back the next year. It's going to be an entirely new strand. And that's why people still get the flu. They're developing the vaccine for COVID-19 the exact same way. So it doesn't make sense to take a vaccine because they can't predict what's going to come out in the fall. Another thing that they're saying is a danger zone right now is the fact that COVID-19 symptoms are starting to develop more so like the flu, so they fear that in the fall they won't know the difference of the symptoms, a symptomatic person that comes in complaining of the shortness of breath, the high fever, the runny noses, everything that also is the flu They're looking at, like, well, wow, if this person actually have COVID, we really don't know what they have, and they don't have enough tests to run both. So, of course, we're leading in the numbers, absolutely. There was a couple of things that I thought was really important to make sure was stated in regards to COVID-19 because of the condition of black people and how COVID, what it does is, is it multiplies the inflammation in our body. 200 times the normal state Mm -hmm. the danger zone that is people who are obese and people who are diabetics even pre diabetics are already in an inflamed state and those who have high blood pressure are already in an inflamed state Mm -hmm. they've also proven that COVID when it they put when they draw people's blood who are COVID-19 positive before they even run the testing they realize they actually can tell by just looking at the blood because the blood has begins to clot. So now they're saying people who come in with COVID, they want to give them high levels of blood thinners, which is very dangerous because you can start hemorrhaging. But they're saying we'll monitor them, which is a lie because this is why we're dying on the ventilators because they're not monitoring us on the ventilators either. Yes. So it's another yes. way to kill us. <laughs> So they're showing that that people, Mm -hmm. yes, ma'am, people who are obese, what happens in that is that the 60% of our immune system is in the gut. So that's where the inflammation takes place. Someone with COVID-19 is really critical because COVID-19 hit the can hit the lower lobes of the lungs, which is right in the abdominal area where our gut is, where that inflammation is, which is going to now superimpose itself inside of the person. And with the ventilator, that makes the person struggle to breathe. And that's what's really killing a lot of people who are obese and overweight. So this is the absolutely perfect time for people to follow the most honorable Elijah Muhammad's book, how to eat to live, one and two, because it can quickly turn your condition around. Around. (laughs) And another thing people need to also be aware of, even outside of COVID-19, is that when you carry a lot of your weight in the abdominal area, it also shows that your organs are fat. So, say, for example, I remember one time when we were in um, one of my classes in paramedic school, they were teaching us that when you touch a person's stomach, if it's hard, you're actually touching that person's liver and you know automatically that person's an alcoholic versus a person who may have a larger stomach and it's soft. So, the, the size of the stomach area really gives a good indication for the size of our actual organs in that area, and the fat that's in that area is inflamed, which again, of course, is not a um, not a friend of COVID-19. People who have diabetes are already in a chronic inflamed case. That's mostly black people in the United States of America. We lead in the numbers of diabetes. So again, the mm-hmm. best what? thing to do is to go to thefinalcall.com and buy How to Eat to Live, book one and two. Read it and put it into practice because it absolutely has the ability to save our lives. And the last thing I will say in regards to um, if you go into the hospital and you are positive for COVID-19, have them do a D-dimer test on you. The D-dimer test actually shows if your blood is clotting. So, for example, when I had blood clots and I went in, they did the D-dimer test, the normal range is supposed to be 0 to 230. My test came back 2,944. So I definitely had blood clots and my blood was definitely clotting. So that's a very Mm -hmm. critical test that you can ask for, the D-dimer test, so that they can see is your blood clotting because, again, that's another way and a quicker way to find out if you possibly have uh, COVID-19 because if your blood is starting to clot and you do not have blood clots, that's a positive for COVID-19. And they're saying that, to of course, the COVID-19 testing is taking up to a week to get your results back when a D-dimer takes a couple of hours. So just a, another tip to kind of help us. Get back healthy and where we need to be.
1: It's all about the immune system. Wow. yes, ma'am. Oh, praise is due to Allah.
2: Those yes, always, yes.
1: This, is, this is invaluable. This is absolutely invaluable. System, to ma'am. Thank you, and please stay with us uh, for yes, the duration. Ma'am. And at this time, it's my great pleasure, and I'm humbled. Uh, I'm going to turn the mic over to my co-host, Brother Terrence Muhammad, who we thank him for being able to reach our great brother, uh, who is a warrior for us and has been for decades. And, uh, well, let me me give this to you, Brother Terrence, before I start getting on my soapbox. But <laughs> let me turn the floor over to my co-host, uh, Brother Terrence Muhammad, Terrence. who's going to uh, share with us uh, some information and then bring on tonight's special guest. Brother Terrence.
4: Assalamu alaikum so- well, Good graces, a crowd. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so gracious. <laughs> No, first I, I did want to take a quick, uh, quick minute and just saying thank you, Doctor Ava, for allowing this show to continue to go on, and thank you for allowing all of those guests to come before me that allowed me time to grab something to drink to break my fast. So I appreciate y'all for going first. Uh, <laughs> so that gave me time to break, uh, you one. know, some liquids. Thank you very much. I appreciate that,
5: but also. <laughs>
4: While we're in quarantine, we want everyone to please enjoy Final Call Radio. Uh, so go to FinalCall.com and also go to FinalCallDigital.com and get your Final Call subscription. Since we're not able to come door-to-door to you, you can go and get it online. And we always encourage everyone to listen to the Time and What Must Be Done series that was done, 58-week series done by the Honorable Minister Lewis Farrakhan. And you can go to NOI.org dot org and make sure you have that. And also we give great guidance and instructions and teachings of the most honorable Elijah Muhammad taught today by the honorable minister Louis Farrakhan every Sunday at ten A. M. Central, eleven a.m. Eastern at NOI.org and join us on Wednesday and Friday at 730 p.m. I'm going to come back later, uh, Dr. Ava, and kind of give a little bit of my report. I had a little report from our sister, Sister um, Esan, who's a medical student down in Cuba. She gave me something to share with you all today. And she's also a contributor. Uh, She's a contributor to The Final Call in the latest edition, and she did give some special words. But I want to go, as you said, to our guest, our brother Leonard Dunstan. I call him Baba. Uh, He is like one of the many fathers. uh, And as people that's in the struggle and you become an activist, there's no longer this sense of one father, one mother. You have many mothers. (laughs) You have many fathers when you grow in the activist world because you have people that are still nurturing and still furthering you or farther mm-hmm. you into this work and this mission. And Barbara Leonard, um he was on a call, our sister Nana Mawiya, uh Cambon out of Raleigh, who was former president of the Black Psychologist, um, they helped to pull together the state of emergency, global black community town hall meeting um, and literally, Dr. Ava had um, black people from all over the world on this uh, four hour four hour uh, conference call or webinar or town hall discussing what is going on with us, so I invited. Yes. Uh, Barbara Leonard to be on. He's a brother who I've known for years, friend of the nation, understands about black mm-hmm. liberation, mm-hmm. understands about black separation, understands about having our own. Um, he's worked uh, amongst black uh, sociologists, and he's doing some work around uh, making sure that our first responders, and not just the doctors and nurses, but the janitors, the cooks, that are on the front line in the healthcare system, be able to have a a number they can call for to help with their mental health. As I said before, uh, when I was on uh, one of the many Zoom calls and webinars that I'm on now, one of the gentlemen that talked about disaster preparedness, in which we're blessed to have in the nation, he said the two primary things is taking care of your physical and mental health when you're in a disaster. So part of that – Physical health is exercise, which we're taught to do, and also eating the proper foods. But the other thing is making sure that your mind is okay. Uh, so we wanted to bring our brother on because as we're talking about COVID-19, he could share with us what the conversation was on the emergency town hall that was with Africans all over the planet, but also the, the uh, things that he are, he's doing as it relates to COVID-19, helping our first responders. And also, uh, when I was with um, Brother Raymond and Brother Youssef Salama, the exonerated five, I didn't know that he was the one that was really helping them while they was in the prison system. So he has a long history on the front line in activism in our community. But I want to welcome Brother Leonard. Welcome to the show.
5: Ramadan Mubarak. Assalamualaikum, brothers.
2: Ramadan Kareem. Ramadan, Ramadan Kareem.
5: Let me first of all say that uh, I'm honored and uh, privileged to have the opportunity to join uh, the family, and especially my dear brother Terrence, you are special to me, but uh, I always defer to the Queen, uh, Dr. <laughs> I, I, sometimes I, I can't even say her name right, because Dr. Abel Mohammed. is... <laughs> person to me, and I will not go oh, through all the reasons you. why, other than to say that when the Honorable with Louis Farrakhan called us together for the Million Man March, and uh, I was honored to stand with him and to announce uh, the adoption project that we undertook, and she was one of the first to come forward and help us in that process. So I'm always indebted to her and her husband for oh, accelerating uh, and sort of giving a concrete example of why we should adopt our own children so i will always as i said a second ago i uh, just love her for that i also love you beyond words brother you like a son to me and uh, i can say that because now i'm just a few minutes a few months rather shy of my uh, 80th birthday so i view you as, a, as my grandson but i love you to death i want to talk a bit about uh what we have been doing but if you could just give me a few minutes to sort of frame how we got to where we are, because often I'm the public face of what's called the Institute of Black World 21st Century's Black Family Summit. Uh, anyone here in that name yeah. would think that, oh, it's just Institute of Black World 21st Century who has this organization. No, that's not exactly how it happened. It's not that's not how it happened at all. I always like to give uh, credit to the brother whose vision gave us the institute of black world 21st century's black family summit and that's none other than the honorable minister lewis farrakhan a brother that i've known since 1971 and i consider him a dear dear friend when my wife made her transition in 2016 we had been married for 55 years and uh, was at my lowest point uh she was dying from cancer uh, same cancer that killed uh, Ted Kennedy and John McCain. There is no cure for it. So I, I, was, I was sitting in our home, and I was just down. And I got a call from the minister. And I say this because, again, just thinking about it, I get emotional about it. And uh, he asked me, how was my wife doing? And I told him not well. And he prayed for her in Arabic. A transition prayer. My wife had not opened her eyes in almost two days. As soon as I told her the minister's on the phone, and he began to pray, my wife's eyes opened, and she just laughed. She smiled. Uh, three days later, she told me to So I'm I'm eternally, eternally indebted to that. But let me tell you why I'm further indebted to him. Uh, back in 2004, he called me, and I went out to Chicago and met with him. He had a vision. We were, he was planning for the 2004, 2005, actually, Million More Movement, which would have been the 10th anniversary of the Million Man March. So he said, Brother Dunstan, uh, I have this idea. I don't know where we can go with it, but I'd like to ask you if you convene black families, I mean, black professional organizations so they can support black families. I went back to, at the time I was living in New York. I now live, I'm back home in North Carolina. I live in Durham as we speak. And uh, for almost three months, I pondered what to uh, say. Then he invited me. I moved down to North Carolina, back home to North Carolina. And uh, he was doing a southern tour, an eastern tour, From started out in Richmond. He came through Durham, and I met him here. We went down to uh, Charlotte and then down into uh, Columbia, South Carolina. And it was in Columbia, South Carolina that uh, Hurricane Katrina hit. So it all came to me then. I said, well, but Brother Minister, here's what I think we should do. Let's convene these black professional organizations at the Million More Movement and ask them if they will be willing to support these families that are being displaced across the country. Fast forward the tape. On October 14, 2004, at Howard University, he and I co-convened 35 black professional organizations and we spent a day uh, planning and uh, asking them to commit themselves in their organizations and chapters to support the black families that will be displaced across this country. I'm happy to report we are now 15 years later, and uh, we still have 29 of those 35 black professional organizations still a part of the Black Family Summit. He asked if it would be housed under the Institute of the Black World 21st Century because he felt that that would be a more appropriate place to house it. So I always give him his credit. I'm, I'm just an instrument that he used to help propel this uh, uh, organization, the Black Family Summit. Now let me go into what's happened since that time. There, oh, I, I would be remiss were I not to say on um, January the 14th, 15th, and 16th of 2006, he and uh, I think there were 18 other black professional organizations joined us in New Orleans where we got a firsthand tour of uh, the, the devastation that had occurred. And we spent three days there doing a series of town hall meetings, healing circles. The of Black Psychologists, for example, developed a healing s- circle so that the black professional firefighters, the black police, could sort of de-stress. And uh, since that time, every major hurricane and or person-made disasters such as the Flint water crisis, the Pembroke water crisis in Illinois, and on and on. We have been convening every other Sunday night since that time, and it's under the auspices of another organization called the All Healers Mental Health Alliance, which is primarily a group of uh, psychiatrists, psychologists, and other healers, but it is also a part of the Black Family Summit. Fast forward the tape. Uh, When this pandemic hit, we were mulling uh, in our minds what could we do to uh, sort of uh, support the first responders uh, that uh, we saw on the news in New York, and I must say that I prefaced all this because when Hurricane Sandy hit the New York City metropolitan area, we were able to mobilize black psychiatrists, black psychologists, uh, black social workers, and altogether 21 black professional organizations, and we we adopted three communities in New York City that were right underwater, Carnarcy section of Brooklyn, the Coney Island section of Brooklyn, and Far Rockaway, Queens, and we provided services through those organizations for over three years, uh, counseling, mental health services, a range of other services. So we were ready for this particular pandemic hit because we've been doing it. And on the phone tonight is uh, Sister, attorney uh, Pamela Muhammad. I have not physically met her, but we've been on calls regarding, she's with an organization called Cures there in uh, Houston, Texas. And they are part of our configuration as we provide services to victims of hurricanes and the like. So I just wanted to call her name out and thank her for her great work. As for the tape, when the, the pandemic hits. So the question then became, Are we just going to stand by and watch black first responders. And as Brother Terrence described it, we're not just talking about your traditional medical personnel, though we are not in any way disregarding them, because anybody who's of African ancestry will be entitled to the service that we're about to kick off in about a week and a half now. And that is we figured that it would be best to provide a mechanism where black uh, first responders can call into and have a listener hear then it could just be an opportunity to talk but if by chance uh, you hear in that voice or the intonation or they just ask can I be connected to someone because I'm having some mental health issues they may not frame it that way but the, the listener will be trained in such a way that he or she can detect when one needs to be referred to in yeah. a clinician so we're fortunate because I, as I said without being older repetitive repetitive we have a great relationship in the New York City metropolitan area. Let me give that description. We're talking about the five boroughs of Manhattan. We're talking about Nassau, Suffolk County, Westchester County, the lower portions of, uh, we call it the southern part of, of Connecticut, and the southeastern part, the northeastern part of New Jersey, which would be uh, naturally Newark. Uh, and the Oranges and other black communities in that area. That, those are the target uh, communities that we are looking at. And uh, what, the, what the listener will have in his or her, at his or her disposal will be uh, a resource bank. So if a clinician is uh, needed, then they will know exactly who to refer that person to. The service will be either free, sliding scale fee, or whatever the person can afford. Uh, the key for us, however, is that because New York City metropolitan area is the most diverse in terms of Africans, next to Toronto. Toronto has the largest, as you well know, diverse African continental population in the world. New York City is second. They've got about 260 different uh, countries that are represented, and we have estimated there are probably 65 to 70 african continental uh subgroups in the new york city metropolitan area so we have been reaching out to every imaginable group and i want to also just lift up i was re- remiss in not doing this i want to ask the ancestors and the creator and a to please continue to receive brother hafiz uh in his uh transition to the ancestral world this is a brother i've known for a long long time and i was i was never so pained than to hear about his transition uh, I do know uh, Brother Oscar. I know that he will do extraordinarily well. He's one of my sons. So I had, to, I had to digress, so you forgive me for uh, digressing that way. But when I heard about Brother no. Hafeet, I, just lo- I just lost it. Matter of fact, Brother Youssef Mohammed, who is, works very closely with me, he is a former president of the International Association of Black Social Workers. So he chairs what's called the Black Family Summit uh, FEMA Task Force and it was him who called me and told me about Brother Hafiz, and it took me almost five minutes to uh, regroup. That aside, I had, but my spirit told me to say that. So here we are now ready to launch this uh, first responders call, a hotline call, and uh, once we get this cemented, by that I mean we're, we're looking to do about three or four months on the ground in the New York City metropolitan, New Jersey area. Then our next group will be New Orleans, Detroit, Chicago, the northern portion, portion of Virginia, D.C., Prince George County, and the Baltimore area, as well as the Black Belt section of Alabama. Those, uh, those are repressive uh, uh, areas of this country, especially the Black Belt of Alabama, that no one speaks to. We also want to uh, venture eventually into uh, Mississippi and other very rural areas. So that's the project that uh, my dear brother, Brother Terrence, wanted me to uh, describe to you. I know I've been long, and forgive me for being long. No, you haven't. going to give you a better, a good context as to what we uh, have been doing. Uh, the key to this yeah. is that we want African people to know that uh, we, have, you, we have your back. You're not out there alone. When you're traumatized, like the first responders are, there I don't have to tell anyone on this call, you know what happens when the traumatized people get upset, you know, and they do things that they would never, ever do were they not traumatized. I mean, we've been that way now since our arrival here, forced arrival. I need to always emphasize that, our forced arrival on these shores. So that's a snippet of uh, what we are currently uh, undertaking. Yes, sir. Mm. Okay. But-
3: if I could say real fast, Brother Leonard Dunston, this is Sister Pamela Muhammad. Assalamu alaikum.
5: Alaykum, alaykum as Sister Pamela.
3: Yes, sir. I just wanted to thank you so much uh, uh, for what you said about me. All praises are due to Allah, and I also wanted to thank you for all the wonderful work you do because you all are just so important in our community. Could you tell them a bit about? Like I love the the association of Black social workers, the National Association, because you all are committed to Black families. That is your only mission, and that is so unique. I think in a in a society like what we live in, can you can you tell us a little bit about the Black social workers?
5: <laughs> oh yeah, it's interesting. To the I, I remember yes, you and I being on several conference calls when we talked about. Uh, Custody issues uh, About three years ago now If my memory uh, serves me correctly And uh, I can only uh, Elevate Magnify and say you As always are on point about how Our children have been taken away from us Let's just go back I'll very praise briefly Praise due to workers,
3: law I'll Praise due to Allah.
5: Yeah and why black social workers are very concerned about These federal laws uh, Back in Back in 1998 I think it was Uh, 96, I'm I'm sorry. There was something called the Adoption and Safe Families Act that was uh, enacted by this government. And what it essentially does is that it precludes uh, us from adopting our own children. Uh, They claim that this is a race-neutral law, so only anybody can, in other words, anybody, including a devil, could uh, adopt our children. Before that, there was no, you know, those laws were not in place. So we were able in ways that we're not able now to adopt our children. The second piece of that deals with, and why that's important, is that when hurricane, not hurricane, the uh, earthquake hit uh, Haiti, uh, if you will recall, there were just innumerable black children being adopted and sent out to these faraway places like Utah and North Dakota, South Dakota, and all of that nonsense. So what we did as black social workers, we convened. At that time, there were seven black adoption agencies. Unfortunately, it's only down, it's down, down to two. And we went on the offensive and went to the federal government and told them that we will be the ones. We are the arbiters of how our children should be adopted in this in this country. So we were able to divert those children from being sent to all those foreign states and, in fact, sent to black communities. Mm, come on. Uh, I I I can't say mm-hmm. enough about advanced racial adoption for us has, will always be paramount. Nobody can raise our children but us. And it's only yeah. devils it's allow true. their children to be raised by somebody or stupid people. So mm-hmm. uh, we are very firm. We will never relent in pushing this whole it's notion that black children should be in black homes, just like every other mm-hmm. group. So, if they could push their agendas, we could certainly push ours. There are thousands thousand different agendas out here for other, But there's no place like having a black home for a black child.
4: Mm. And, and, Doc, before you close out, um, can you also just give a snippet of uh, what took place this past Sunday for the four hours of that conversation?
5: Yes. Oh, uh, yes. And Brother Terrence and uh, Attorney uh, Ava, I uh, was a part of that, uh, as, as uh, my dear brother just said. The sister, Dr. Uh, Maria Kanban, and he said that uh, she is past president, one of the past presidents of the Black Psychologists. They pulled together uh, a very stellar panel about which which discussed every aspect of our lives as African people. And as he said, there were 24 African nations on that call, and there were. Rep- representatives from Haiti and the list goes on and there are going to be a series of follow-up sessions whereby people can call in and uh, if they're having some major issues there will be a connection and I will remiss in not saying that we are doing the exact same thing when I say black family summit we are now connecting uh, we've, developed, we've developed healing circles for black professional firefighters for law enforcement officers for sisters and brothers who, uh, whose families are incarcerated, there's an organization called the uh, National Council for Women that formerly Incarcerated Girls and, and Women. And what we're doing is providing healing circles through the Association of Black Psychologists and Black Social Workers for uh, those members of their groups who wish to have the opportunity to talk to a psychologist, psychiatrist, and or a clinical social worker.
4: Mm. Yes
5: sir <laughs> Yes sir and I, I didn't, didn't want to jump
4: know. back in there first No go right ahead Go right ahead No, and um, Barbara, I also wanted, if you can, um, like Sister Pamela knew and and me and Dr. Avon know you, can you kind of give us a a history, and you did give a a real good history of some of the relationships and interaction that you've had with the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, but I can't, personally, I know you from the years that we have directly engaged one another, but I know you have a lot of history that the, the callers would love to know about your sojourn in the movement, in the struggle, whether it be in North Carolina, whether it be in New York, and all of the, the, the kind of places that you have been tapped into as you're doing the things where you are now.
5: Well, you're so kind, uh, Brother Charance. uh You know, I come out of the... Uh, the activist movement. I joined CORE at that time. It was called a Congress of Racial Equality. 1959, when I was an undergraduate in undergraduate school at Livingstone College, uh, my wife was an organizer, and that's how I got involved. I really, to be perfectly honest with you, I was not interested in the struggle. I was interested in my wife. I didn't know what the struggle was about. That's right, no, brother.
4: Was hey, hey, that's real.
5: <laughs> Any place she went, that's where I went. So you know we were, we were we both grew up in the South. So uh, and I went to a predominantly uh, not a predominantly a black school, Livingstone College in Salisbury, North Carolina. So where I went to undergraduate school. Long story short, on that, that's where I was introduced to the movement in 1959. From that point on, I was involved with CORE. We moved uh, to New York uh, in the early 60s. Actually, I moved to New York uh, in the late 40s uh, because I was part of that southern migration, but I came back down to North Carolina to go to school with her. So, uh, as a result of that, moving to New York, I was involved in just about every movement that you could think of that occurred during that time. That's how we met uh, Minister Louis Falcon. He was the minister of Mosque No. 7 uh, um, in Harlem at the time, and as, as the, world, the world is extraordinarily small, his home in New Rochelle was directly across the street from my wife's best girlfriend. So, and then he lived also direct, directly across the street from Ruby D and, um, uh, uh, what's the brother's name now? Davis. I uh, can't remember his name. Isaac. You know I'm talking about the actor who's mm-hmm. now an ancestor. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, the minister at the time, he was, uh, there was a. a An uprising, that's what I like to call it. And the Association of Black Social Mm -hmm. Workers' office was like two blocks away from the mosque. So uh, I came out of the military, and all those of us who came out of the military during that time, you know, we all figured that you have to have some kind of uh, way to support in a very revolutionary way, on way, your, your groups, your organizations. So when they had that stand down at the mosque, we were there. When I say we, I'm talking about black social workers. We stood right arm in arm with uh, the nation. And I will always remember that as being just so moving because when we saw the cops and on and on, you know, we said, you come. We are ready for you, suckers. So that's my Ooh. introduction to the <laughs> sister and uh, the brother <laughs> And Brother Youssef I can't think of the brother's name now. He was the uh, FOI captain. Yousef uh, Shaw. Yes.
4: Yes, so, yeah, we know that name.
5: George Stocky. His arms were made out of gold or wood or diamonds. <laughs> i never felt a man like that in my life. At any rate, we combined with him, and we uh, set up uh, a security force. And the, you, you've heard the name of Dr. Uh, Brother, uh, oh, my gosh. Oh, uh, my. Um, I'm, I'm going off, off script. I was trying to think of the brother's name. If I could, if, Smalls, James Smalls. Mm -hmm. Because we, at that time, were working to – New York City had an uprising on so many different levels, but we took over City College, and we formed a security force. And, again, the nation was close to us. And the last one I'll mention is uh, Brother Dennis Muhammad. Yes. Uh, Brother Dennis Muhammad. When I ran what's called the New York State Division for Youth, it's now called the Office of Children and Family Services from 1982 to 1995 when I retired – uh, Captain Dennis ran one of our maximum secure sections in Buffalo. That's how I first met him. And then he moved eventually down to New York City, and the, the stories with him is just endless in terms of our relationship. But the point I really wanted to make with that is when we, while I was serving as the commissioner of the New York State Division for Youth, that's how I got to know the Central Park Five. Those, all those brothers I, pl- I personally placed, Uh, By that I mean I was commissioner of the agency, but we had at that time six maximum secure facilities. So I chose to uh, place them because I wanted to make sure they were secure. And I met them through a brother by the name of Elambe Brath. He's now an ancestor, but one of our revolutionary brothers that goes back years. Uh, He knew these brothers, and they lived in his building. So I was fortunate to have super helped them be supervised for three years prior to their movement to the, uh, to the adult system. So I, I could go on and on. That's not important, but uh, I've been blessed. Let me say it this way. I've been extraordinarily blessed in my life to see a series of movements, every movement that occurred in New York City from 1964 up until I left New York in 2004. Uh, I was either involved directly or tangentially. That's not bragging. Wow. That's just facts, wow. uh, state. That's
4: real.
1: Yes. Mm. All praises due to a Well, thank you, sister. We, we are. We're praying that you'll uh, we'll be able to stay uh, stay on the line. Yes. yes. Sister
3: Ava, can I ask him one more question, okay. please? Sure. Uh, Brother Dunstan, you know, as you know, the Honorable Minister uh, Louis Farrakhan uh, has taught us to make our own communities decent and safe places to live, as you know, from the Million Man March all the way till present. And so as it relates to black children and the American child welfare system, you're you you you're familiar with that uh, author, Andrew Billingsley, because I spoke with you about him when I met you in Houston at time when the black social workers or the black psychologists came down. But my question is, looking at the past of the child welfare system and how we used to take care of our own, don't you think well, this is a model that we need to incorporate? Can you share any thoughts with us about incorporating that model into today's present time? Um Kind of like what y'all are doing, I know with cure and, and your 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 um agency or your organization, but you you can you share some thoughts with us on how that needs can happen?
5: The model you said
3: right of actually black us uh helping our own doing mm-hmm. it for self, you know yes. helping our our poor instead of seeing it outsourced you know, outside of our community where we're often harmed by the right because you know, that's really their objective. So, yes, yes, well, sir. let
5: me before I respond, uh, uh attorney, uh, panel, let me make a, another comment which I was remiss in not doing when I described the work that we we're going to be doing, uh, in the metropolitan New York, New Jersey area. I was remiss yes, in not saying yes. that. Uh, Dr. Monique Swift, who uh, I think most people on this call will know her. She's an M- – mm-hmm. is it the MGT? Captain, is that what? Yeah,
4: Captain McGee wife, Yep.
5: Yes. Uh, she's the president of the New Jersey chapter of the Association of Black Psychologists, and the world is extraordinarily small. I've known her since she was a baby because her father <laughs> and I went, went to graduate school together. So she's been instrumental in all of the work that we have been doing over the past uh, six or seven years, in the New York City metropolitan area, and I always want to lift her uh, voice up, aim yeah. up, because she is so just invaluable to our work. Let me go back to you, your question, uh, uh, Sister uh, Pamela. Uh, I guess the best example I can give is for us to take matters into our own hands, and I, I'll use the New York City chapter of the Association of Black Social Workers. That's the chapter that I grew up in. I joined in 1969. And uh, my daughter and my my daughter, not my son, but our daughter went to, we we owned and we still own a daycare center. And uh, that daycare center was where my daughter, uh, our daughter, I should say, got her grounding. And then she went on to uh, school uh, in Harlem, to elementary school. But the same thing is true for the whole issue of adoption we we still have our own adoption agency there in, uh, in New York City on 126th Street and Madison Avenue, to be specific. Plus, we've always, as an organization, felt that self-sufficiency starts at home. So we have, in that same building on 126th Street and Madison Avenue, we own four of those brownstones. And we have owned those brownstones since 1979. And... uh what we have in those brownstones, are our own, we have our own adoption programs. We have programs for children, after-school programs, and I could go on in terms of the list. The same thing is true for the Detroit chapter of the NABSW. Uh, in 1980, for example, they started what's called Black Family Development. It's the largest multi-service human service agency in the state of Michigan, let alone the city of Detroit. They also own the building. The Philadelphia chapter of the Association of Black Social Workers—they own their building. The Los Angeles chapter of the Association of Black Social Workers own their building. And why do I emphasize that? Because then you have the parameters. You have your own ability to start programs that you can control. You don't have to worry about somebody else telling you how to run the programs. You run them according to your value system, which is an African-centered value system. So that's my response, uh, Sister Pamela, is that we have to continue to do as, as uh, the All of Elijah Muhammad has always encouraged us to do. Do for self. When we do for self, we can be the most creative geniuses in the world. We are limitless in terms of what we can do for our own people. Right. So I would encourage any organization who's interested in the welfare of children to either use their own you know, centers, develop their own centers rather, or join another organization that has a similar kind of mission and begin to help expand that. Uh, otherwise, we're going to be sending our children to aliens who do not think, feel, or act like us and never will because it's not their best to love us.
1: Thank you. Thank you, sir.
5: Yes, ma'am.
1: I'm, I'm glad Sister Pamela asked you that, and Baba Leonard, because that's at the root of our of our condition is the deliberate destruction of the black family, not only the black family unit in the household, but the black community. Um, You know, back in the day, as we know, because I I always, (laughs) when Sister Pamela calls me or tells me about a case, she always has to listen to me vent uh, Mm -hmm. about, the way we have allowed the state, city, local governments to intrude upon us in, in, in exchange for this little cheap uh, welfare system that they are uh, have, have set up in place of reparations, mm-hmm. and we once all the time during segregation, you know, we took care of each other no matter how hard times were. All the way back through slavery, we took care of each other. And, That's and right. so, what really pains me, and I'm so happy for your guidance, is that we have to reestablish centers and, and circles so that when uh, families are in trouble, and we have so many young single mothers who are carrying children, who are trying to rear children, and don't have the resources. Uh, that's right. They don't have the mental, emotional, or financial resources. We have to have somewhere they can come so that Peach. we can keep our business among ourselves. You know, Peach. it's not that white people don't have drug addiction and teenage pregnancies and crime among them. You know, why don't white crime far exceeds uh, anything that, that's going on in the black community, but the difference right. is they they keep what occurs among them within their circle, there and I, I think that's the number one thing we have to do is close that doorway into our community, and and we take care of our own because that that really touches every nerve in in my body when you, when you said it, black children need to be reared by a black family. It has nothing to do with income. Or any okay. of that. It's the nature of things, you know. A, a zebra can't grow up in a lion's den. It's, it's it's not going to happen. You're going to end up being lunch anyway, at at some point. And 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 believe me, you coming on here this week is it's so inva- it's just invaluable to our listeners. It,
5: it really is. You, you
1: have, to, one have to take
5: uh, this seriously. Yes, sir. Yeah. I'm t- I'm sorry to cut across you, uh, Sister Ava, my, my apologies. No, no, right, right, right in. Here. I just wanted to just use that another example of why uh, we should always be self-sufficient and use our collective genius to provide for our own. Uh, when I was commissioner of the New York State Division for Youth, naturally I had to be responsible for all of the young people in New York State. At that time there were about 5, five to 6 million of them from ages – Three up to 21, and we provided a range of community services, as well as I ran all of the juvenile justice institutions. But what always stuck out in my mind, the first time I went to a Jewish community was called Killers-Joers. It's in Rockland County, and uh, that count, that community, Killers-Joers, if you ever go up uh, Interstate, uh, oh, my God, I left New York, so I can't remember, but going towards Albany, about halfway between Albany and, say, New York City is this community, a self-contained community. And what was so interesting and special about that is that the, the state of New York had to give them money to make sure that their needs were met. So my agency, for example, we had to figure out a way in which we could support all the educational programs, all the youth programs, and the Mm -hmm. like. The same for all the other state agencies. The mental health agencies had to provide services. So they're self-contained right there in Rockland County. Then you move to certain sections of Brooklyn, Williamsburg section of Brooklyn, the uh, Bensonhurst section, and they have the exact same thing. I had to go before rabbinical councils, and they would tell me, well, Mm -hmm. Commissioner, you know, here are our needs for this group of young people. Here are our needs for that young group of young people. So I I guess I'm saying two things simultaneously. One, we need to use our own collective financial resources to uh, provide for our people. But also, we should not be ashamed in trying to figure out ways to access the same public funds that our taxes pay for that other groups could do. That's it, because right. I have experienced it firsthand that they're not charged with, quote, discrimination when they only select their people to receive these services. Last last example I would give. I was fortunate to have uh, with me several very progressive and uh, African-centered colleagues, a sister who I've known for over 45 years. She's originally from uh, Barbados but grew up uh, in Brooklyn. second one was my executive assistant brother who grew up in Ghana. As a matter of fact, that's where my wife's remains are on his uh, family's compound uh, in Timmer. So uh, we wanted to start what we refer to as a rites of passage program. The question became, how can you create funding to set up an exclusively all-black program? Well, I had an Italian dude who was a researcher, and he was able to help me develop a model. So we set up the first Rights to Passage program for any state government or federal government in the country. We ran that for five years with federal funds. So when people tell me, oh, you know, you can't use funds like this, you can't, we did it in all black. These are black females and black males. We ran it out of Brooklyn. We ran it out of Staten Island. We ran it in Manhattan. We ran it out of Westchester County. And we did it, like I said, for, for the last five years, of my tenure as commissioner of the New York State Division for youth. So we, again, it's how how do we use the genius that resides within us to figure out ways to exactly. access funds and uh, move them in directions that these other groups move them into. Now, I, I am with you a thousand percent,
1: and I always remind people that in point number four of uh, the Muslim program, What the Muslims Want, where the Honorable Elijah Muhammad calls for separate state or territory of our own, and and I'm Mm -hmm. I'm also looking, I hope we're all seeing, in this coronavirus uh, crisis, how the United States is, is as the minister said, Savior's Day, unraveling, and and you see it disintegrating disintegrating back into its constituent parts parts parts, and what goes on between the governor of New York and the president, and then the uh, coalition uh, that are forming regionally. The, the governor of California has referred several times on the air to California as a nation state, a nation yes. state. And yes. the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said, not only do we demand land, we demand that you supply our needs. For 20 to 25 years, and so I'm, I'm saying that to say it, it's so wonderful to, to hear uh, someone of your stature remind us that this country is indebted to us. But That's right. It's a matter of how we uh, apply our, our genius uh, yep. to, to extracting it, not Teach. for them to hand out uh, blocks of cheese, or Teach. give us uh, housing and then use that as a means of coming in and looking in our bedrooms and bathrooms. And, and when a parent has to go next door to borrow a cup of sugar, oh, you abandoned your children, so no, we're you taking don't. them. Yes. That has got to stop. But yes, I, you I thank you for, for giving us that. And if you, if you could be so kind, I mean, as long as you're able... Uh, please stay with us. We're going to be on uh, about another 30 minutes or so, and we've got some callers we, we're going to we're going to take, and uh, some of them may have some questions for you, or in, or anytime you feel the spirit to weigh in. While we've got you on this line, <laughs> we we want to take advantage of it.
5: Um, You're kind. So I'll be right on until good. the end. I'm going to respect you and. You invited me to part, be a part of this conversation this evening. So the minimum that oh, I can do is be patient and listen.
1: Oh, thank you so much. Thank you, Baba, thank you, Baba So here we go. Let's see. We've got, who has been holding a long, long time. Brother Daryl is on the line. as alaikum, Brother Daryl. Ramadan Mubarak.
6: Ramadan Kareem. Praise be to Allah. I am so happy here, our beloved brother. Speaking of the history of the minister, so I thank you, beloved, and may Allah bless your wife into paradise. I had one quick question because I hope brother Bruce made it on here a question. But uh, I was hearing if Doctor um, Ariana whoever on there could speak two questions. The first one is uh, about our younger. Uh, females that's having the babies, they are now want to breastfeed. And the question is, they're telling them not to breastfeed because of the corona. Is there anything to be said that could uh, let them know if it's safe? Because I know what I'm said to the breast milk, whether you're sick or not, the baby will be taken care of and be safe. So, But they say, well now the coronavirus out. The second question is, now, Trump is howling about, and I think he kind of touched on it that they have this supposed to be antidote. And sure, our people run and rush to get this antidote that he's talking about, which I know is going to kill them quicker because now they're panicking, which are, I was shocked that it was a black man, but not really shocked. So, oh, bleach over itself, that he heard what Trump said. So, is anywhere anyone can elaborate on this about this? Uh, supposed to be antidote that they are talking about is safe say for our uh, black to breastfeed.
4: Is there anyone question. on the panel? <laughs> I was like, oh, mm. okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> Murray, I,
1: I, I can't answer um, that one. Sure.
0: Um, Rick, <laughs> <it's> the funny <laughs> thing is that someone, it's so interesting. Somebody actually asked me that question um, last week on Facebook um, about Breastfeeding if you have COVID-19 No, you should not breastfeed um, What the most honorable Elijah Muhammad explained was If the child is sick and nursing from the mother Then the breast milk will produce the, the cure the, the natural antibodies for the baby Not the mother herself so, If the mother has a, a heavy virus or any type of disease, she actually should not breastfeed during that time frame. It's best to just pump her milk and throw it out because it's actually no good.
1: Okay. Thank you, Sister Mario. Yes, ma'am. Right. Brother Daryl, oh, does that answer? Oh, okay. I think he's, he's yeah, off the yeah. air. And, I mean, I parent? asked
4: the, the yeah, that answer to breastfeeding. Wait, and we wait, don't wait. even have to. And there's too many black of us on this show to already know the answer about Trump's vaccination. So <laughs> I think right? you know, we, oh, yeah. we we clearly all know. We said Trump <laughs> vaccination. See, preceding the vaccination is Trump vaccination. Enough is bad enough. We don't do that. But then to add <laughs> Trump on top of that. Clearly, he already <laughs> has the answers. Uh, we don't use a certain lie. words, but we just say no. We can put an H to it and say no, but no.
5: <laughs>
4: oh, but two things I did want to say before we go back to the callers, Dr. Ava. I didn't want us to forget the, the, uh, the brutalization of a young, unarmed black child, 14-year-old, that happened the other day in California over a little Swisher suite. Um, there's videotape that's going around, so we got to wait for what's going on with that case. You see them beating this little boy, white cop aggressively pinning down this young 14-year-old boy in California. So while this pandemic is going on, please don't forget all of the other pandemics that are going on daily in the black community.
2: That's right. Um, That's right.
4: So we want to remind that. And because of that, a lot of internal domestic violence and rapes are still going on. one of my friends who's a council person in New York made a video uh, about that and being very mindful while we're quarantined Where people can't get out there subjugated to the uh, rape And domestic violence in the uh, sheltered place um, So I just want people to be mindful of that And that kind of throws it back to Sister Marianne Because she talks about healing from past things And generational curse I think she has a new book out She's trying to catch up <laughs> to you, Dr. David We know you got that eight stat a book, but Sister Marion threw out That's another right. book. I th- don't you have a new book or something, Sister Marion?
0: Yes, sir. I
4: have a new book um,
0: called <laughs> The Power to Break Generational Pain. Praise <laughs> be to the a lot. <laughs> you... Say yes, again. Ma'am, the, Say the title again, The, the power, laughing. <laughs> yes, ma'am. The Power to Break Generational Pain. pain.
1: Oh, yes. All right.
4: And I only and brought that up because i
1: pain.
0: Mm, It's on Amazon It's it's available
4: on Amazon Yeah Yeah. And she said it quick I know she wants to go to the callers But the only reason I I put that in there Is because when Brother Leonard Was talking about and dealing with the sociology And psychology of people Part of the reason why we don't move into ownership Part of the reason why we don't make our community A a decent place to live Because we're still suffering from those generational curses And a generational mindset Um, and somebody was doing a conversation, and I apologize, I forgot who it was. Uh, I think it was today. No, matter of fact, you know, it was the minister. Dang. Last night, Dr. Mm-hmm. Dr. Ava, when we was watching the time and what must be done, the minister reading from mm-hmm. um, Dr. Akbar, uh, Naeem Akbar and talking about we can't do economic oh, wealth yes. until we change the mindset Come of the on. people. So That's once right. we change That's the mindset true. of the people, then we can move into the economics because even if we give all of the stimulus checks to black people, our mindset is that it will go back and stimulate white economy like they know we will do and versus us taking that money like and, and giving it to the savings they give. This to be the last day to give to the savings they give 2020. Um, so, yeah, we got to have that mindset. So breaking those generational things are very important. Yes,
1: sir. Please be too long. All right, thank you, yeah. uh, Brother, Brother Daryl. And we have Sister Dicelle, who has a comment. She's also well, I think well, well, she's well, in the Carolinas.
4: The Lake the Lake yes,
7: I'm coastal, Lake Carolina. I mean, I'm near the Lake shore. <laughs> um, Ramadan Mubarak. And let me tell you, I only missed one prayer line and that day I missed that particular prayer line was the worst day. I really love uh Sister Nisa report. So yes, uh, oh, I really enjoyed it and I'm so glad it was shared and thank you, um, brother. Ruben Muhammad for listing that on your Facebook page so I would have a number to you know to call with the pen and I just wanted to ask the brother who's on the line now who's the special guest what is one of his favorite prayers and our surahs I'm just interested and I could be uh, I can just Go off the line and let, have room for others to respond, since we're short on time. Okay. Thank you so much.
1: I'll okay.
7: Was she well, referring to me,
1: but... Barbara yet Yes. Sir. If she wanted to know if, if, what your
5: favorite prayer is, if you desire to share that. Yeah. Well, I. I... I just have to say, I, I'm not a member of the nation, so I don't have a favorite uh, Muslim prayer, to be perfectly honest. Nor do I have...
1: Uh, I, 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 uh, the probably didn't realize that. I think, it, as you know, from our view, the nation is the uh, 40 to 60 million descendants of slaves. And so we, you know, no. whatever, whatever your uh, prayer is, personally... It doesn't matter if it's.
5: Yeah, you know, well, I really don't have a special prayer as such. Uh, I'm a believer, yes, that's sir. for sure. Uh, I know that there I is. Know that. Well, we know that. Okay. <laughs> we definitely <laughs> you
1: know absolutely, that. So, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, your life is proof of that, that you're a believer. So we yes. thank you, Sister, Sister Darcell. Okay, we have uh, Brother Eusteth, and this is one of our young brothers. Who uh, calls in He's on with a comment oh, I got his line open Brother Youssef
8: Yes As- assalamu salamu uh family How's it going well,
1: this is, We always get them mixed up We have oh, a young Youssef and an older Youssef But this is Brother Youssef Well, salam sir Ramadan Mubarak, Ramadan Mubarak.
8: Yes uh, we're uh, The technology here in Jamaica Is not like in America So uh, you just got to bear with me. But uh, what I wanted uh, oh, wait, the family wait, and everybody and to clear. know that. Okay. Uh, things are, uh, uh, have gone down in Jamaica. What happened today? I don't know if it happened today, but uh, the Chinese has bought the port in Kingston. Hmm. I, it's just like wow. I can't believe it actually happened. They hmm. actually bought the port. What? And, uh, they own all the stores, they own all the, uh, you know, uh, a lot of the, even the streets, they even on the streets in Jamaica.
2: Hmm.
8: But uh, I, I don't know why the people in Jamaica won't fight back. And now that they got the port, my God, you know, that's the heartbeat of a city, is the port. And now it's gone. It's for China. It's, it's for China. So, uh, you know, the next thing they're going to go after probably is the land, and Jamaica has a lot of land, a lot of, land. Lot of farm land. So nine times out of ten, they're going to get their, their hands on that land and probably sell that food back to the Jamaica because that's how they do. But anyway, the port is gone. That's it.
4: That's it. Hmm. Well, so, the reality you know, is I, a lot I, of federal – I really don't know uh, what to say with that. Well, the reality is a lot of federal buildings in the United States are not owned by the United States, and the reality is that uh, China is actually trying to move into Africa. So what you're saying is nothing new, and that's why it goes back to what the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad, we have to own our own land, and Brother Leonard, Leonard was talking about, we can, when we own stuff, we can do whatever we want to do. So because we are not taking ownership of right. our own, and a lot of people in the United States are selling off our own land that our family said because mm-hmm. we have been driven from our land, and then we hate farming, hate being on the land, running to the cities, and real estate is real. So that is not a shock, but they're doing that all over the world.
8: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And you know, if if they don't know how to run Jamaica, all they have to do is ask help from the nation. The nation can come here and and, and get them started. And there's a, you know a lot of the people, you know, uh, uh, Dr. Umor Johnson and Dr. Claude Anderson, the list goes on, you know, to help them get on their feet. But it's just like they're not trying. Uh, you know, I don't know. Well, I'm Basil.
1: Well, it, it's ahead, not Dave. an inability to, uh, yeah, it's not an inability to run the our own country. It's, it's, uh, you know, Bre- brother Leonard said it earlier about our own genius. First of all, we're we're behind everything innovative uh, in America. And the more history that gets mm-hmm. released, the more we find out there's very little they've achieved that they didn't achieve without us, not the least of which is their entire economy uh, was, was built on uh, the, the uh, cotton industry. There's a reason they called it King Cotton. Uh, the millions of pounds of hand-picked cotton that went to New York and in turn to Great Britain to the textile industry—it's the will. It's we—we we have so many sellouts among us. That's our problem. Mm. Mm. That's our problem. Is—is is mm. we're. I think if if the law blesses us to come out on the other side of us, one of the first things we need to do is start uh, sitting down. Uh, these black elected officials who have been silent throughout this whole thing. I mean, where's the black caucus in all of this? You know, you got a black right. Surgeon General uh, sitting up here talking about Big Mama and Pop Pop, and hmm. we should keep our distance, as though, as, as our brother told us tonight. You know, the the the, re, the first responders are not only we 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 salute our medical professionals. But the, it's it's the orderlies, it's the it's the assistants, as I mentioned last week, in the psychiatric wards, who have to wrestle with people who who are uh, uh, in, in having mental episodes. We, we, we're the food servers. We're the truck drivers. We're the That's people right. that carry the the bodies to the morgue and from the morgue and dig the the graves at the at the cemeteries. We're the bus drivers. Yep. Okay, so um, a, a lot of our people who have carved out an oasis in white America and in the Caribbean and in Europe, they're the reason that, that other people come in. and, and mm-hmm. Because the question, it's not like, oh, China bought uh, Jamaica. Who sold it? Who's selling mm-hmm. it? Who sold the port? That's right. That, that's, that's the right. question I want to answer and what's wrong with you that you're selling, as as Brother Yusef was saying, your main your main income, your main source of revenue. You, you, mm-hmm. you know, the, they they have taken over all of the food production, and as the minister said, in time and what must be done, then they sell it back to us. We're in the islands buying food from the United States. Mm. This is how right. insane. That's it is. right. But it's a mindset. Mm-hmm. It's mindset, but thank you, uh, Brother Youssef. Sister Peggy is calling in with a comment. Sister Peggy, uh, Ramadan Mubarak.
9: Ramadan Kareem. I have two things I'd like to talk to you about. Number one is, do you remember when I said maybe about two or three weeks ago, I said that if... Uh, the Department of Defense asked me to come back, that I would not go back for even a million dollars. Well, I got my letter last week, and I misplaced it. I don't even know where I put it, but (laughs) I'm not even thinking about that. And the second thing I want to say is, do you recall when Brother Dr. Alim was on your show, and he was telling us the story about a... Retired policeman who went to the emergency room and he was sent back home and then he fell dead down the street. Well, something very similar happened to a young lady here in Dallas. She is 17 years old and the youngest one to have died from the coronavirus in Dallas County. And she went to the emergency room, she was positive. They sent her home, and then once she got home, she was feeling very badly. And her mother went into the bathroom, and she was dead on the floor. No, I'm I'm sorry. She said she had passed out on the floor, but she died at the hospital. And she was just 17, and not to have had, not known to have had any previous uh, chronic conditions. And she had not been sick She wasn't mm. uh, yeah. So I just said mm, Maybe she had the same thing That that, that the uh, policeman had Just fell out Just passed out 17 years old And she's black The youngest The youngest to die Of COVID in Dallas County Yes, that was very sad that they sent her home. I don't know what that's it is. What
3: they with, do with us. Yeah. yeah,
9: I don't know what it is what made them send her home. And I guess you have to
1: be on, well, they send on. black they send black people home. They send black people home. Yeah. And there's there are a number somebody, of reports and articles yeah, but, out. See again the systemic racism. Uh, the the failure refusal to try to resuscitate us, the failure refusal to offer the best care possible. When that yeah. man over there, the Prime Minister of Great Britain,
2: uh,
1: came down with COVID-19 or was diagnosed with it, goes into the hospital, went into ICU. I, I told everybody that, I said, he's he's coming out. They're, they're going to uh, take care of him. Hmm. And, and of course, uh, he did. Now here, Here's a man that smokes. Here's a man that's obese.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And yet, because he, and they said the hospital they took him to in London is one of the best in the world. He received advanced quality care.
8: Mm-hmm. They
1: probably gave him interferon. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know that. I'm just saying that. That it, this 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 is part of our refusal to build our own hospitals to go for self. And and prayerfully, this this is this is a grace given us yet one more time to wake up and recognize we are not going to be assimilated into this country, even though a lot of our people want to. So, yep. Whatever reason I don't understand why at this point Anybody wants to integrate They don't want to integrate with each other they're, they're, hmm. they're, they're seceding That's what I said about California The man said we're a nation state And since Trump told us We have to import Our own uh, uh, Tools to deal with this, this Virus We're going we're gonna to export as well For ourselves Yeah, We're, we're going we're gonna to do for self. Yeah, And, I, and, I and just... so th- this is how they treat us. I know personally of, of cases like that. In my family, well, my sister-in-law, in was... Anwa, turned, you have it, now go home and battle it out. And she did, and she prevailed. Yeah, but she was, this
9: young woman, just 17, they said she had a wonderful future. And, and it doesn't, and it doesn't even, and that, that doesn't really have anything to do. To do with it But I was just listening to What her teacher said about her What her mother said about her And it was all very, very, very good Not a bad well, we're girl losing
1: no. our ba- We're losing our babies We're losing our babies And our youth every day yeah. I, I'm not dismissing it But I'm saying This is perhaps drawing attention When it comes to black people It's not your age It's not your gender it's not what a good person you are. You know, the 26 year old brother in, in Dallas that was the accountant that was home eating ice cream in his own apartment.
4: Come on, come on.
1: And, and a white female police officer broke into his home and gunned him down. He's just as dead. So That's right. For black people, it's like pick your poison. Hmm. You want to die That's from right. uh, 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 being mishandled in the healthcare system? You want a cop to shoot you? Name okay. it. What do you want? You want you want lead in your water, like Flint, hmm. Michigan? Then this is what the minister said in the time and what must be done. This country has a policy of depopulation. Hmm. That's right. And 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 God is manifesting the right. United States as being the third world country. Yes. You know, welcome to our world. Now you're Rwanda.
5: That's right.
1: You're one third of all the deaths on the planet from COVID-19. You, the United States, with all of your military logistic uh, power, but you can't get test kits out. You can't even make a reliable test. <coughs> Teach You have nothing to treat This disease with you got caught yes. out Because you have a, a, a ego maniac Psychopath for a president Who yes. represents Your mind That's why he's hmm. in the Oval Office Because he represents The mindset Of white America
5: That's right
0: That's right
1: and the desire now is to vaccinate the whole planet.
0: So you That's got right.
1: Anthony Fauci, who's been a, who's been around since Richard Nixon, since he was a young devil. Now he's finally reaching his pinnacle of success in in, in an unraveling nation. Mm. Mike Pence walking around in in the Mayo Clinic. With no mask. Everybody in the room got a mask on except him. Now, is he just dumb or does he arrogant. know something we don't know? Yes. And, arrogant. and arrogant. But does he also know something we don't know?
4: Mm-hmm.
1: The president refuses to wear a mask. Listen, what, that's right. What is going on here? That's
4: right. Very revealing. Yeah.
1: Something out here There's something out here But is this a plan That went awry As the law said They plan and he plans And he's the best of planners I don't think they plan for their economy To collapse That's right I, I doubt that very seriously, that they plan for their entire economy to collapse and for more than 30 million people to be applying. That's not the unemployed. That's how many got an application in. Because right. a whole lot of black people, they just have a little hustle <laughs> to make it. We go day to day, That's week real. to week, doing people's hair and nails and selling loose cigarettes. And 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 cassettes today. We just do what we can to make it. Now, where yeah. where, where did they go? Change. We don't even know what's going on. Our, our people have disappeared. We don't even know yeah. we'll see them again. They're okay. not in the media. They're not getting covered. All I see is Savannah and, okay. and Hoda <laughs> on the Today Show. Hi. Look at what we're doing at the house. Everybody should stay home. (laughs) That's easy when you got a ten thousand square foot mansion and a and a golf course in your yard. (laughs) You can maintain. They've been maintaining social distance, white people, since they were born.
5: Teach wealthy ones.
1: That's
5: right. (laughs)
1: I'm sorry. I'm just.
6: Oh that's I, oh.
1: you know, I every day this happens. <laughs> that's my that's my mental trip with this. <laughs> but but we're uh but but thank you, sister A for uh, I us for that. But that's, and if uh, so, they keeps saying this is only the, the old people. And see now all of these white Donald Trump people, they're out protesting because now that it's been revealed that we're seventy percent of the deaths. They're saying, "Well, this is a negative illness. Why are we being made to stay home?"
5: Teach literally. Yeah, Man.
1: that's their that's their minds. They immediately yeah. came out in droves the next the next okay. week. Remember that week they did the whole week on oh, black people it's people of color, and they have preexisting conditions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got a condition that preceded that condition, and it's called slavery and Jim Crow. Teach.
5: That's
1: right. Yes, ma'am. There's a stress called being black in white America. That's mm. a real lethal disease. Mm. Mm. That's right. But I'm, I'm sorry, that, brother. We got a report
5: you got to give. We.
4: No, I just, yeah, I just wanted to jump in here. Yeah, but I just wanna jump in here and that I mean that with that spirit is the spirit. I mean it's it's stuff that people gotta look at, gotta realize, just like North Carolina <laughs> a lady um uh, caught COVID nineteen leading the protest to open up the state. And then when she got COVID nineteen wow. and was confined to house arrests, she was mad at the state. For denying her rights to be able to come out with it because she said they could find her and illegally quarantine her just because she had it. She's still fighting. So these folks are crazy. So (laughs) I just wanted to say, Sister. Yeah, Sister Hassan, uh, who's down, um, Brother Amin from D.C.'s daughter, who's at the medical school in Cuba. Uh, one of the things she did tell me uh, before she gave me the report on Cuba, she was saying that she was in a grocery sh- uh, store line the other day, and there was toilet paper, detergent, and chicken, amongst other things in the store, but those were the main items that people came for. She said people are just trying mm-hmm. to survive there. She said, there isn't a stop like the States for people to stock up on. So whenever it's in the store, everybody goes to try to get some, and you pray it doesn't run out before you get a chance to buy some. Uh, and she's going to be typing some more stuff and sending it to the um, the final call. But she gave, her, um, she gave a report. She said, well, as far as the virus is concerned, Cuba is still testing daily, and we still have many positive cases. Here are the numbers as of last night, 1159. To date, Cuba has tested 47,347 patients. 1,501 were positive. There are 757 current positive cases hospitalized. 10 of those are in critical condition. And another 2,954 who are hospitalized and under observation for suspected positive cases. Another 6,972 who are being monitored in their homes. These people are under observation due to a contact but are not um, systematic. Uh, 61 deaths to date, including three yesterday. 681 recuperated cases to date. Cuba is now distributing a homopathic tincture that is a combination of med- medication that people can take as a preventative method to help combat against COVID-19. The tincture, and I'm going to spell it, T-I-N-C-T-U-R-E, just in case I'm pronouncing it wrong, is expected to be absorbed via subliminal, as this, of course, is not a cure anyway. Cuba's healthcare model is one that focuses on preventative methods, and this is one that has been signaled out to use at this time. We have students continue to do um, P E S Q U I S A. I can't pronounce that. I'm sorry. Uh, we continue to do as described in the final call article to stay attentive to possible cases in the communities. The communities show gratitude by doing applause in their homes daily at 9 p.m. And this applause can be heard all around. It's a very beautiful feeling to know your daily work as a health care worker is appreciated. Mm-hmm. And that's Beautiful.
5: from the front lines in Cuba. Straight yes. up front lines. Yeah. I I just make one quick comment about that, Brother Charles. It's just Ava. Yes. I had the opportunity to go to Cuba in two thousand three and witness uh how the health care system is actually administered. Uh, I'll give you this quick story. Uh we were in uh San Santiago uh, Cuba, and uh, we were there for a week, and then we went back to Havana for a week. But the long and short of story is, someone on my floor uh, became ill, and uh, I saw this person walk by and go, go two doors down and went in. So after I stood there watch, and after they came out, I asked another person, "Oh, do they come here through uh, taxi, ambulance, I said, what?" He said, "No, each hotel uh, had a physician." who was a part of the medical care team throughout that hospital. And the same thing was true for all their communities. The physicians and uh, the like actually lived in their communities. It was just amazing to see that. Wow. wow. So, Sister
1: Mariam, that... I mean, so sounds to me they're doing very well
0: with the virus Yes, ma'am I was sitting here thinking the yeah. same thing it's, yeah. They got it
1: under control they, they have <laughs> over, Yeah, I mean, they have they have over 11 million people there And they got 51 deaths Right, right. That's impressive I mean, every death is a tragedy But that's, that doesn't even, doesn't even register Constitute a, yeah, a register. yeah a register. Thank you.
5: Yes. Absolutely. That's about, that's
1: about,
0: that's about, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am.
3: As, and, Sister Ava, that's like the governor of Texas saying, you know, we've got to get back to work and, you know, everybody has to die and, you know, saying that. Older people have to be willing to sacrifice Themselves to get the economy Going you know so the young can Live <laughs> like that is Just a sick mentality
0: They don't know what to say no They don't know what life. to say or what to do At this point
3: they, I just yeah. think they don't they're care under about The under value judgment. of life
1: Yes ma'am Yeah, They're under judgment And see here's this That's little right. island nation That they have been had under economic sanction for like seventy years and but they've That's got right one it. of the top health systems. they what uh what is it brother brother Leonard? They're like ninety seven percent literate literate. Yes. Definitely higher than the United States. Absolutely. And they're this little island nation.
5: Yep. Okay. That's right. And
1: first but
0: class mm
5: mm-hmm.
1: That's right. amazing. Well, anyway, uh, brothers and sisters, this, this has been phenomenal this evening, and uh, I think on on behalf of all of us, uh, I can express my deepest and humblest gratitude to Baba Leonard Dunston uh, to come on this program, and I, I I hope we can get you back, sir, uh, as soon as possible, and. The first thing I plan to do is let the minister know, so I can get some gold stars. Let you know, let him know you are on the program. <laughs> yeah. This is what, we've had we've had some superstar programs, brother Terrence, the last couple of weeks. So you got right. huh? got to keep this up. Got to,
4: that's right. I don't know how you're
1: gonna do it. But, but in, do it? in addition to our beloved brother, yes, <laughs> I want to thank uh, uh, our producer, Sister Rona Muhammad. Our uh, contributors, Brother Reuben Muhammad out of Melbourne, Australia, Sister Attorney mm-hmm. Pamela Muhammad, Sister mm-hmm. Mariam Kate Muhammad, of course, my co host, Brother Terrence, and all of you who called in and patiently uh, waited, and those that we didn't get to, um, Allah willing, we, please call back next week, and uh, we'll continue on and bring you the very best that elevated places can bring. May Allah bless us all with love and the light of understanding. As I leave you in peace, As-salamu alaykum.
2: Wa alaikum as Wa alaikum salam.